0: Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord everybody, bless the Lord, you have tuned in to the Word on Wednesday and this is Pastor Winfred Burns and I am excited tonight. I'm excited because we began a new series in the book of Galatians entitled The Emancipation. And we'll explain. Hey, Don, how you doing? Uh, we'll explain what this series is all about. We're grateful to God because He allowed us to go through the Book of Acts, and actually, it's Acts—the things that happened in the Book of Acts—actually set the foundation for the introduction to our teaching tonight. So you'll see me make references to some previous teachings that we've done. You know, the Bible is not just a series of separate books but it is a cohesive document it is a it is a story it's a love story that's still being played out even today and do you know that you are part of the story that's something that we always have to remember that we are a part of this grand plan of god that's been recorded um so so I won't get too far off the beaten path. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into the book of Galatians. Amen? Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. And we come to bless you and we come to praise you. We come to magnify your name. But most of all tonight, we come to receive a word from you. We come to sit at your feet and be instructed in your word because we know that in your word there is life. In your word there's life. In your word there's light. In your word there's power. In your word there is the answer to our questions concerning life. And so, Father, we ask by the aid of your Holy Spirit that you would lead us and guide us, that you would teach us, that you would speak to us individually as well as collectively, that we might know how to walk upright before you and how to be pleasing in your sight. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want you to pull out your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 1. Just turn there, and then let me just give you a little background about what we're getting ready to study. Um, If you remember, in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14, this was Paul's first missionary journey. And on his first missionary journey, he goes through... um, Iconium, Lystra, Derby into southern the southern part of Turkey. That region is known as the region of Galatia. And it's to this area that he writes this letter. Now, the reason that he's writing this letter is that The Judaizers or some Jews, Jewish Christians that come down from um, Jerusalem have decided to go in and perfect Paul's teaching. And they make a number of accusations and allegations to tell the people, you have to do certain things if you really want to be saved. There are certain procedures that you must follow, namely the laws of Moses. And if you don't abide by the laws of Moses, then you're really unacceptable to God. You are really not saved. And oh, this Paul fellow, this Paul fellow that came through here and spread the gospel, what he did was, one, incomplete, and two, Unauthorized, because he doesn't have—he's not sanctioned from the council or the the, 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 the the Jerusalem council. He he's not a member. He's not authorized by the Sanhedrin. And these things are really important because remember now, the Jews are scattered throughout the Roman Empire, and these are Jews who um are connected but yet disconnected from the people from the, from the Sanhedrin located in Jerusalem. And let me give you a little example. It's like their structure, their structure of governance was similar to the structure that the, that the Catholic Church or the, um, the, uh, yeah, the Catholic Church has where they have a pro, pope who, is, who sits in Rome, and he is head over the entire church. They're not like um, Baptists or certain Pentecostals or even um, uh, certain evangelical churches where if the, specifically within the Baptist church, each church is autonomous, and the rule is local, and they might join a convention but their participation in the convention is voluntary. And so when they make a rule for that local church, the convention can't come along and overturn that rule. They can say, well, you're no longer part of our convention. But each church is run independently in, in the Baptist religion. And certain uh, Protestant religions are like that. But in Catholicism, uh, there is a central rule. And so when we look at the, the Jews and the Jewish religion, they at this time, everything is run by the Sanhedrin Council and the high priest. And it's similar to the structure, notice I say similar, to the structure ordained by God in, uh, the, um, in, in, in the Old Testament. And that's important to see. So what's this? What's, what, what's going on? This is this book. We'll, have, we'll dive right in. Hey, Portia, how you doing? We'll dive right in because there's no big preamble. You'll notice that as we get into this book, Paul is in a hurry. In his other letters, he you know, pins a fancy introduction. Not this one because there is a sense of desperation. There is a sense of i got to hurry up and get there. And the best analogy that I can give you is it's like Paul is getting ready to deal with some weeds. You know, I've been uh, talking on Facebook this week about how I've been working in my yard and, and fighting the weeds. Well, one of the things that you've got to understand about a weed is a weed has a purpose. First of all, a weed will, if you ever go in your yard and look at the weeds that grow around your plants or that's growing in your grass, those weeds mimic the physical characteristics of the plant that they are attacking. So you know you deal with crabgrass, and what crabgrass tries to do is it tries to spread, it, and it tries to choke out your natural grass. If there's other grass, the other weeds that grow, and they'll grow up right into the plant, and they'll begin to wrap itself and weasel itself around the plant to destroy the plant and take its place. And that's what Paul is dealing with tonight. He's Paul planted these churches. Um, if you go back and you look at Acts chapter 13 and 14, this is the, these are the churches that he planted. And these were not easy plants. You remember at Lystra, uh, what happened to Paul at Lystra? He comes in, and, and when he comes in preaching the gospel at the synagogue, and they reject him, and he goes and he preaches to the people. He comes to this crippled man. He heals the crippled man. They celebrate him. And, and Barnabas as God and and all of, and then all of a sudden the Jews come along, and the next thing you know, they go from being gods to getting stoned. These are the churches that, that, that Paul writes this letter to. And now I want to start right in on Galatians chapter 1. That's the background of everything, so you understand what is being said. So beginning, I'm going to read from, I'm going to do, I'm making a little change, too. I'm going to read from the NIV simply because most I've learned that a lot of my students uh, that are out there, they're reading from the NIV. i move away from the ESV unless I need to move back because there's certain language um, that is in the ESV and um, the Amplified Bible that is critical for understanding. Um, ESV is a more word-for-word translation, whereas the NIV, they capture the thought. And they come close to the words, but they're more interested in being understandable rather than accurate. And I prefer accuracy, and then I will, you know, I can can translate um, from from word to word, whereas this one does it for you. So since this is what you're using, I'm going to use it too. But when I need to go, don't be surprised when I switch up on you and run back over to the ESV for certain things. Okay, so now. Chapter chapter one verse one Galatians chapter one verse one it says Paul an apostle sent not from men nor by man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me. Now why does he start out like that? He says you wait a minute, hold on let me tell you something because there has been an allegation by the people that have come behind him to stir up some trouble within the, uh, 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 the newly formed body of Christ saying that Paul does not have the authority of the council at Jerusalem, of, of, of the Jews from Jerusalem. He's not authorized to be doing what he's doing. He's got no letters. He's got no papers. And Paul immediately says, I was not sent from men nor by men. I was sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father. So when did all that take place? Well, you've got to go back to, I believe it's Acts chapter 9, and look at uh, when you know, the, the, Paul's riding on the Damascus Road, and he gets, some, he gets knocked down off the horse. You know, we went through all of that in Acts. This is what that is in reference to. I have been anointed and appointed by God. So I don't need a letter from man. Thank you very much. Go further. Um, and, and all I'm at verse 2. And all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. From the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He immediately, he immediately establishes the plan of God and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Namely, he comes in reinforcing the gospel that has already been preached to them. Verse verse 6 is this is where, he, this is where he, he, he's going to go right to the heart of the matter. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel, other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned, as we have already said. So now I say again: If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accept, other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God, or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Okay, so what's he saying here? First of all, he says, You're tripping me out. How can you turn to another gospel? Let's define that word gospel first of all. When Paul is referencing the gospel, What he is referencing is the good news of God. And what's the good news of God? That God's plan of redemption has been fulfilled through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God has planned from the beginning to redeem mankind. When, when Adam sinned in the garden, God immediately put in place a plan to redeem man. Remember what he says? He says that um, that the snake would bite at the heel, but the heel would crush the snake. That was god 's promise that it was through man that through a man that uh, that that um that salvation would be delivered that we would overcome the sin nature that we would overcome the penalty and the curse of sin through Jesus Christ that's what that's all about and so now it, Paul is announcing that it is through Jesus that man is saved that the plan of God is fulfilled and that's what the gospel is the gospel is uh, the good news that God has fulfilled through Jesus Christ, his plan of redeeming mankind. That's, see, so when you hear that word gospel, that's what, that's what it means. But now what he's saying here is, he says that I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. What does that mean? That means, I'm surprised that you are turning away from God's plan to another plan. God, I have exposed to you, and you have accepted God's plan of salvation, and now somebody else comes along, and they tell you something different, and now you get getting ready to wrong with them. And so he says, he says something really strange here. He says, he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Now, in the ESV and the King James Version, it says, let him be accursed. See, when we look at this eternally condemned, it does not carry the weight that the words carry in that that, are actually translated from the Greek. It says, let him be accursed. And we know that uh, let something be accursed means let them be designated for eternal destruction. Remember uh, the sin of Achan when they were were, um, uh, in, uh, I believe it was uh, in the book of Joshua, where Achan stole the things that are designated to God, and he says he has taken the accursed accursed thing, those things that are designated for God. What he's saying here now is, he says, let those people who preach that be designated for eternal destruction, for eternal damnation. Let me go further. Let them be designated for hell. That's what he's saying. They are designated to go to hell. He says, look, verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to, 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 what he says here is, am I trying to be a man pleaser by switching up and saying things that you want to hear? Or am I saying, am I, have I delivered to you the message of God? He says, if if I was still trying to please men, and now he goes back to, and what he's alluding to there is his service of the Sanhedrin when he was one who um, uh, carried, was an enemy of the gospel to his service now of Christ. Let's go to verse 11. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. Those of you who were were in the Acts study, you know Paul's testimony. You're very familiar with it because we heard it throughout what he did prior to his conversion how he served um, the Pharisee and how he served the Sanhedrin, his training, etc., etc., and, and then his conversion, and how he now serves Christ with that same zeal. I was advancing in Judaism, verse 14, beyond many Jews of my own age, and was extremely zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, Apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. What's happening here? What's happening here is now Paul is giving his testimony concerning his conversion, where he got his message from, directly from Jesus Christ, what he did after he got the message, and how his, his conversion led him into a deeper experience and study with God Concerning the things of God and the revelation that he now preaches, he got it directly from Jesus himself. So what's, what's the important thing that we learned this week? Because I want to stop here at chapter, this is the end of chapter one. I want, the first thing is that we learn that Paul is in a fight and he is now fighting Against doctrine, and I, you know, I, I know sometimes when, when we hear that word doctrine, we run for the hills. Don't run. This is simple. Against a doctrine that is basically saying that Jesus was not enough to ensure your salvation. That in order to be saved, that it takes your salvation plus your adherence to the laws of Moses. And essentially what those laws are is that you've got to be circumcised, you've got to uh, observe the Sabbath, and um, you've got to maintain the, uh, the dietary laws. Those were the three essentials. Now, even though in our study they don't see they don't say this, um, I'm going to I'm going to insert I'm going to interject, and I don't normally do this, and and the Bible doesn't say it, and so this is Winfred's interjection. Okay, this is the elder's interjection. This is supposition on my part because I you know I can't substantiate it through the Bible, nor can I. Substantiate this through the historical study. I'm doing, I'm saying this, and you notice how I'm qualifying this? I believe that they were trying to to make them obey all of the laws, not just the, the general framework, but they were going to draw them into all 613 laws that they had enacted, that they were going to require salvation to, that for them to uh, observe all of the laws of the Sabbath, that all of the laws of marriage, all of the laws of sacrifice, all of the laws concerning how you treat your neighbors, they were going to put them in absolute and complete bondage and say that you have to live according to the rules of the Jew. That's what I believe. Now, none of the historians like Josephus or anybody else says those same things. Nobody says that. That's what I am imagining that they were going to do. And I base that on, if you give somebody a rope, they'll think they're a cowboy. And what does that mean to you tonight? It means that, number one, that there are people that are trying to constrain you, that are trying to bind you according not to the gospel of Jesus Christ that gives us liberty, but instead they're, they're trying to bind you and make you behave according to their interpretation of, of what it takes to be saved. Stand up when I say stand up. Sit down when I say sit down. Raise your hands when I say raise your hands. Worship the way I say worship. You are saved if you do this, this, and this. You are not saved. You don't love God if you don't do this, this, and that. And because of the rules and regulations of man, many in the church are in bondage. Many in the church have came to the church looking for freedom, looking for salvation, and what they've gotten is they've gotten religion. And they're practicing religion And just like a weed will choke out a plant, religion is choking out the Christian. This is not what God planted, and the doctrine that they are receiving today is choking them to a point where they cannot praise the Lord in freedom, they cannot live a life in Christ, that is reflective of freedom in christ but instead they are bound by a series of rules and regulations that come from the pit of hell that are designed not to bring us closer together but to divide us and it's a trick of the enemy and over the next several weeks we're going to see the first thing that we're going to see is what it takes to be saved. Going to examine what it takes to be saved and what it takes to be free. We're going to. That's that's what we'll be doing in this book. We will get emancipated because in um, Galatians five it says, "For freedom, Christ has set us free. Therefore, don't be entangled in the yoke of bondage." And not only has this, this yoke that we've allowed to be placed on us caused us to be bound, but it's caused those outside of the church to not want any part of the church. Have you noticed that young people are not excited about going to church? Mm-mm. No. Why? Because they see that there is not freedom there. You have a lot of you have some churches where young people do go to, and the thing that's most attracted that attracts those young people is not the teachings of the church; it's their freedom in worship. Now, I'm gonna admit, I'm free, but sometimes the freedom that I see that these young people have is a little too free for me. You know, I got I I was raised in the old church, and so. You know, there are certain, there are certain standards that you know, I still adhere to. But those are mine. Those are my hang ups. And my hang ups got nothing to do with salvation. My hang ups have to do with my choice of the things that I like and the things that I don't like. And if I don't like it, but yet it is permissible that I have no right to tell you what you can't do because you are free in Christ. It's Christ who paid for your salvation, not me. And the thing that we will explore is, in, in, in chapter 2 and uh, on forward, is that, wait a second. What it takes to receive the salvation of God is faith in him. That's it. No standing on your head. No sitting on no mourner's bench. No... 88 weeks of new members class, no, have to give up a certain amount of money, no, stand up, sit down, turn around three times, no, you got to be saved by the evidence of speaking in tongues, none of that, because the Bible doesn't say it. And anybody else who comes along and says something like that, let them be destined eternal destruction because salvation is accomplished but one way through faith in Jesus Christ okay so now we've set the study up we've gone through we have begun to establish Paul's credentials and who sent Paul and who empowers Paul next week We'll get into chapter two, and in chapter two, we'll further go along and we'll look and see what Paul has to say about the apostles. We already know why he said it. We we did that at the beginning. We showed you what the questions are in this letter. Why Paul is so hastily writing this letter? He's writing this letter because they're trying to feed his children doctrine, and Paul is just like Paul is just like a a, a, a mother. With their children you know you don't mess with my children not those who i have you know when a mother has laid on the table and went through all that labor and stuff to birth their children and 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 then all of a sudden some joker gonna come along and say well now i'm gonna show you how to raise them oh no oh no oh no that ain't gonna happen at all and paul is like you know he wanted him one of them ones, he coming with the whipping stick on this. Y'all y'all not doing this. So anyway, that's our lesson for tonight. Um, do you have any questions? we got time for questions. Uh, for those of you who are on the Global Drive N- Network listening, uh, you can call me at 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. And for those of you on Facebook Live, I uh, want you to just um, – just type it on the screen. I'll see it, and I've, and make sure it holds up there until after we finish praying, because I'm going to pray now, and we're going to dismiss the Bible study if there's no questions. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name we come. God, we thank you, and we praise you for your word. We thank you, first of all, tonight that we now understand why Paul is writing this letter. We thank you and praise you that we understand the heart of a pastor, how he is so concerned for these children that he has birthed through you, that he now seeks to make sure that they are not choked to death by damnable doctrine. We pray, O God, that the yokes that are around our necks, the yokes of religion, the yokes of tradition, that we now wear, that cause us not to be free in Christ. We pray that they would be removed as you educate us and inform us as to our freedom in Christ. We bless you and praise you for this study and for the people who participate. In Jesus' name, amen. Questions, any questions. What were the three essentials? Um, the three essentials for Judaism, that's what I'm assuming that you're saying, um, that the, th- the things that they were trying to uh, put on them, they were trying to say that you have to be circumcised if you want to be saved, that you have to uh, – circumcision, you have to obey the Sabbath, and you have to obey the dietary laws. Those were the three things that they're going to put on them. and. Um, we'll go back over them as they are brought out, as they're fleshed out, because he essentially exposes them in the arguments that um, that he will make uh, later on in Galatians. And I'll, I'll point those places out where this is what he's talking about, you know, when he talks about circumcision, or this is what he talks about when he says, you observe days and weeks and stuff. This is what he's saying, that, you know, We don't do this anymore. We don't have to do this. Our salvation is not predicated on the law. Now, there's one thing I'll I'll say about the law. No, I'm going to give you a teaser on this. Do you think that we are no longer obligated in any way, shape, or form to the law? That's something I want you to think about. What? is the role of the law in the life of a Christian? Don't don't answer it. Don't answer that. Just ponder it. Just ponder it. I'm going to come to it, but I want you to think about it because so many of us go by the phrase, we are not under the law, but we're under grace. That's a trick from the enemy. That's the only hint I'm going to give you. That's a trick from the enemy. That's a trick from the enemy. That's it. Okay. Any other any other questions? Well, if there's no other questions, I am at seven thirty five. So we're only five minutes over, and that's good that's good timing. I promise you half an hour. I'm true to my word. Now, you gotta be on time because I'm gonna start at seven. And I'm gonna try to finish sometime between seven thirty five, seven forty, depending on the questions. I'll stay as long as we have questions. But after we're done, I'm going to push that finish button, and we're, going to go, uh, and we're going to go back into our word for ourselves and reread that first chapter. And also, if you want to help yourself, read the second chapter before uh, next week. So as we're going through, if there's questions that you've had during the week as you've studied them, then you can pose them, and we can have a discussion about them. But, okay, so you've been with the Word on Wednesday. I'm Pastor Winfred Burns. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Good night.